Tere, and welcome to History of Estonia podcast. The name of this episode is General Plan Ost. The book I used to produce a great deal of this podcast, History of Estonia, published in 1997, does not cover the full extent of the war in the Baltics. If you are interested in learning more about the military invasion of the Baltics, and a more detailed report on the Baltic Holocaust, I recommend Preet Buttar's book, Between Giants. It is not a light read, as it spends time describing, in great detail, the atrocities committed on the Jews and other Untermensch, or subhumans, as the Germans called them, of the Baltics. This book is the reason why I made this extra episode. While what happened in the two countries of Lithuania and Latvia are not technically inside the scope of our podcast, after reading and learning in greater detail the extent of cruelty and barbarity that the war brought to the Baltics as a region, I felt it was something that I needed to cover, at least if only briefly. There were people massacred on Estonian soil, and many by Estonians as well, much like what had happened in Latvia and Lithuania. But there were far fewer Jews in Estonia at the onset of the war. I have always found it interesting and fitting that Germany named their offensive Operation Barbarossa against the Soviet Union after Frederick Barbarossa, a powerful German king from the 12th century that worked to build German dominance in France but who eventually drowned crossing a river on his way to the Third Crusade. In Estonia history podcasting, it always comes back to the Crusades and the Germans, or it does to me at least, because they really have always been present in Estonia. No matter what empire Estonia was in, the Germans had always been there, administering the locals in some fashion. Operation Barbarossa was launched through Poland on June 22, 1941. There were three directions of attack by Germany. Army Group South attacked through Ukraine into the Donetsk Basin towards and into Crimea and eventually Stalingrad and the Romanian oil fields. Army Group Center attacked Russia through Belarus with the eventual goal of taking Moscow itself, and Army Group North, which attacked through the Baltic countries with the eventual goal of taking Leningrad. We will follow, to a small extent, Army Group North's destructive path up, toward, and into Estonia. A couple episodes ago, when covering the Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact, I briefly described Hitler and Germany's desired goals when they attacked the Soviet Union, named General Plan Ost. It was the plan to give Germans living space, or Lebensraum, and they looked for that space to the east. Hitler and Mein Kampf wrote, Germany must find the courage to gather our people and strength for an advance along the road from our current living space to new land and soil, and also free it from the danger of vanishing from the earth, or of serving others as a slave nation. 
1940 in Germany, more detailed plans were worked out regarding General Plan Ost. It was difficult to patch together the entirety of the plan, as many of the documents were purposely destroyed at the end of the war. According to testimony at the Nuremberg trial, SS Obergruppenführer Erich von dem Bach Zaleski, who was placed in charge of drafting the plan originally for the Reich, testified that Heinrich Himmler oversaw discussions and worked on more detailed plans and created a set of documents that became General Plan Ost. With the help of Erich von dem Bach Zalewski and other fragmentary evidence, which was all that was available after orders were given to destroy all copies of the plan when the war was lost, did a more complete picture emerge. The plan eventually consisted of reducing the native populations in conquered areas. The numbers affected were unique to each individual country and was based on how easily the Germans felt they could be able to Germanize the people in a given area. For example, Estonians and Latvians were considered more racially, air quotes, worthy than many other surrounding peoples. This was probably due to historic ties with Germany. So only 50% of these countries' people were to be removed to make way for Lebensraum, or German living space. In other countries, it was even worse. 85% of Poles and Lithuanians were to be expunged, along with 75% of Belarusians. 70 million total Russians, 50% of Czechs, 65% of Ukrainians were to be removed, and there apparently was a plan to do away with most Ukrainian men, with racially acceptable women permitted to stay for breeding purposes, with German men, of course. And for some reason, the Latgalians were to be completely erased, with 100% of Latgalians to be removed. Luckily, General Plan Ost wasn't able to reach its final objectives. Nor do we know if the Germans would have continued to pursue the goals of the plan to its entirety if they would have eventually won the war. Though with the speed and cruelty that they went after the Jews and Roma, from the very beginning of the war, there is little reason to doubt the plan's sincerity, and eventually, the ethnically Lithuanian, Latvian, and Estonian people were marked for reduction in population. I keep bringing up General Plan Ost. It only took about two weeks to route the Soviet troops in Latvia and Lithuania before reaching the Estonian border. With such a quick advance through Latvia and Lithuania, almost overnight, the Jews were left defenseless and were attacked. It first started with the pogrom, which is supposed to be a spontaneous action by civilians. This, in practice, was encouraged by the German occupiers. Prior to this event, Jews had lived in Lithuania for centuries in relative peace. But when the Soviet Union came to Lithuania, the Jewish population were some of its most adamant supporters. When Stalin's repression started in Lithuania, rightly or wrongly, the Jews were seen as siding with the Soviets. 
the Germans took control of Lithuania in only a week, and the Germans called for a pogrom. Right from the start, General Plan Ost was already in action. The call for pogrom was embraced by some Lithuanians, and groups of men wearing white armbands attacked Jewish homes and villages, murdering men, women, and children. The Germans, of course, encouraged these pogroms, since it would save them the work of disposing of so much human life. The population of Jews living in Lithuania prior to the war was about 210,000. Out of these, an estimated 190,000 were murdered, or almost half the population of Tallinn, Estonia's largest city. In Latvia, there were about 75,000 Jews, with about half living in Riga prior to the war, with only a few hundred surviving until the Soviet army returned in 1944, and some hundreds of others surviving inside concentration camps outside of Latvia. The amount massacred in Latvia amounts to about the current population of Tartu, Estonia's second largest city. However, the initial pogroms, while killing thousands, was just the start, and soon the German death squads, or Einsatzgruppen, followed the advance of the German army units into Latvia and Lithuania. A typical action, as it was called, involved gathering households, or maybe those chosen from ghettos of Vilnius or Kovno, which was outside of Kaunas, who were driven to the killing pits, and there they were gathered, together in front of a large open pit, stripped naked and executed by shooting them, with bodies falling into the pit. Ida Strajic was a 19-year-old lady who escaped her execution by falling into a pit with the dead after the first salvo of shots. She laid there motionless when more dead bodies fell on top of her, and even when her hand was shot when the Germans fired into the pit to try and finish their gruesome work, she remained silent. She stayed in the pit with the dead till nightfall. When she walked in her bare feet over what she described and what seemed like an endless sea of dead bodies while making her way out of the pit. The largest of the pits in Lithuania was in Panare, just outside of Vilnius. The Jews that left Vilnius ghetto knew they were destined for Panare, but they were told they were being resettled. A Jewish girl named Tamara Katz dug her way out of the killing pits at Panare and made her way to Vilnius, where she was sheltered by the underground. There she told her story, and eventually the word got out in the Vilnius ghetto that Panare was a lie, and all who went there previously were dead. At this point, everyone in the camp knew their fate, and remaining useful to the Reich was all that could keep them alive. Along with the Jews being killed in Panare, Many captured Soviet soldiers and Roma were disposed of there as well. After the killing was finished and the pits became filled with dead, the Germans would add fuel to the piles of dead and burn them. The same pit was able to be reused this way. Families 
women, children, all were shot and burned. There were people that saw and documented the atrocities. Kazimierz Sakowicz, a local Polish man and journalist by trade, lived nearby Panaray and witnessed many of the killings and kept a diary of what he saw, which was obviously a very dangerous thing to do. He wrote the accounts of what happened on a scrap of paper, documenting how many were killed and at times what sadistic methods the perpetrators of these actions used. There were some very cruel methods used at times, I can assure you. He hid the messages in bottles that he buried in the ground. Sakowicz was found on July 5, 1944, dying of gunshot wounds in the woods. After the war, his journals were discovered. The same type of events played out in Latvia. Of course, they were distinct and unique, but the killings went on with just as much dedication as had happened in Lithuania. Local Latvians took part in the massacres as well. In the summer of 1941, a massacre of 2,000 Jews by 300 Latvians occurred in the town of Jelgava, with the killing being supervised by the officers of the German SD. Soon some Latvians were allowed into the SS and integrated into the German military, while others such as Araj Commando, commanded by Victor's Araj, attacked and robbed the Riga Jews and burnt down their synagogue. The Araj Commando raged in Korban, reportedly killing thousands. Like in Lithuania, ghettos were formed with the largest being in Riga, overcrowded with 29,000 at one point, and the Daugavpils ghetto held 15,000. Of course, similar massacres of Jews, Roma, communists, and others that the Germans called the Untermensch, or translated as the subhumans, happened everywhere the German army went along the Eastern Front. We will cover the war and some of the actions, which are what these killings were called, that took place in Estonia next episode. But I wanted to take some time and make a single episode explaining what the quick advance of the German Reich meant. I also felt that I needed to mention the innocent people that lost their lives in truly horrendous ways and for no reason at all. After spending time studying the war, I felt I would be doing everyone, including the dead, a disservice if we didn't cover some of the atrocities of the war in the other Baltic states, in at least a limited fashion. When we get back to our historical timeline of events in the next episode, we will pick up with the German army reaching the Estonian border, which took longer than it could have because the German armor was held up at Daugavpils for several days waiting for the infantry to catch up, and this allowed the Russian defenses to reorganize. Many feel that if the Panzer Corps were permitted to attack onward, that it likely would have been able to capture Estonia much quicker than it actually did. Thank you for listening. If you would like to visit History of Estonia's Facebook page, I have updated it with some information that pertains to the war and the Holocaust that you might find interesting.
So until next time, Nagamiseni.